The scripture reading tonight is uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. As, as we listen to God's word, you know, not only listen to it, to it for the beauty and the amazing account that we have here, but receive it as God's word for you. You know, what is God wanting to say to you tonight through the reading of his word and through the preaching of the gospel? So listen now to the word of God. Now in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what a joy to be with you all tonight. And, uh, you know, when we get together as, as families, when families come together to celebrate a holiday, it's really only a matter of time before someone starts to tell stories. Uh, many of you have recently been reunited with your family for, for Christmas, and that means that either to your joy or to your chagrin, it's only a matter of time before you hear the phrase, remember when, remember when. For those of you who are uh, not with your families tonight, the yearning for them and the longing to be with your families also brings up to mind the stories from our past. And so whether you tell these stories in your own heart as you remember uh, times from long ago or whether you're telling these stories among your family and friends, it's really impossible to get through a Christmas without a story or two. And you know, we need these stories because these stories, they, they tether us to our past and, and to our identities. They root us in relationships, in the joy and even the pain that have created our lives. They have made us to be who we are today. And that's why we tell the Christmas story every year. Uh, so familiar to even the least religious people among us, this story of God coming to earth in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Why do we tell it? Because it reminds us of who we are in relationship to our creator. And only if we hear this story once a year, we need to hear it. And so as we gather around this story together tonight, song and through prayer and through proclamation, it's as if the pastor is saying, remember when, remember when God came into the world and remember that night that he was born to us? It happened thousands of years ago and a place thousands of miles away, but it's a story that we cannot forget. It's so very simple, so very human. Octavian 
Augustus Caesar was the emperor. And uh, a man by the name of Quirinius is governor of Syria. And in a remote outpost in the Roman Empire in Judea, in the town of Nazareth, a man and a woman begin their long journey. She's heavily pregnant. They head south toward Bethlehem, his hometown, to be counted for a census. It's a hard journey. He walks. She rides the donkey, mostly. They stop at the end of a day at an inn or a roadhouse where they find some food and shelter. Finally, they arrive in Bethlehem, a very crowded time because all of the homies are coming back for the holidays uh, to register for this census. And the only inn in town is already full. And so the innkeeper, perhaps uh, seeing that this woman is about to give birth and she could give birth at any point during this night, allows her a little space out in the back uh, in the shelter of the stable. And, uh, And they make themselves as comfortable as they can, warmed by the heat of sheep, goats, and cattle. And that night her labor begins, the baby comes, the man helps her, Together they they wrap him and swaddle him in a cloth that they brought with them on their journey prepared for this purpose. Swaddling him, of course, will, will keep him straight and warm. She nurses the child. They both hold him and they look at him with wonder, with the kind of inspiration that every parent looks at a newborn child. And when he sleeps, they finally, exhausted, become drowsy. They place him in a cow's feeding box, a manger. It's so human, so ordinary, so humble, just the way that God chooses to be with us. Meanwhile, out in the fields, in the foothills nearby, the shepherds are out doing their thing. They're keeping watch over their sheep. Uh, making sure that they're all together and safe. They can hear the owls hooting and the crickets cricketing and whatever they do. And, uh, and the sheep shuffling around. The night sky is lit up with stars and falling stars. It smells like earth around them. And then boom, this angel appears out of nowhere and stands before them, an angel of the Lord. And when the shepherds see the bright glory of God that accompanies this angel, they're terrified, just as we would have been. You see, in the Bible, every time an angel shows up, it's a terrifying thing because it means that God is at work and you're not in control. And so these shepherds are there and the angel says to them, don't be afraid. This is good news. This is great joy for all the people, including you lowly shepherds, including you simple shepherds, not just for the people of Israel, but for the the whole world. Today, a child is born for you in the city of David, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Well, these shepherds, they're simple people. They don't really understand the theological significance of all of this, what these names mean. All they needed to know, and maybe all we need to know, is that God is doing something amazing, something glorious. God has acted decisively on behalf of his people, the marginalized, the poor, the sinful, the broken, the wounded, and it's good news of great joy for us all.
It's not something that they worked for or achieve this gift that came to them that night. It's sheer gift of God. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. It's, as almost, it's almost as if the praise of God, of the heavenly host, couldn't be contained in heaven. Just like the love of God couldn't be contained in heaven. So God came to us as a person. And in the same way the angels couldn't contain their praise in heaven. So they came into earth to, to burst forth into praise and glory. And, uh, and the whole heavenly host sings this, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Each of the Sundays of Advent here at Mount Olympus Church, we've been looking at one of the Advent hymns in the Bible, the songs in the Bible that lead up to this night. Isaiah's song, Zechariah's song, Mary's song. Well, tonight we come to the first Christmas carol in the Bible. The angels' song as they, as they uh, burst forth into an incredible choral anthem. We don't know how long they sang this choral anthem that would have humbled the most exotic uh, choir. I'm sure it echoed in the hearts of these shepherds forever. The glory of God has finally returned in human flesh. And after the angels leave them returning to heaven, the shepherds say to each other, we gotta go check this thing out. And they go. They go with haste, they find Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they see this, they made known what, uh, what had been told them about this child and everyone who hears it are amazed. And then it's back to work for these shepherds. Nothing changes, but everything changes. It's a true story about real people, ordinary people like you and me, and it's a story about God, a story about God coming into the world, how God comes into the world, not in the way anybody expected, not with fanfare and grandeur and majesty, but quietly and simply to the unexpected, the undeserved, like you and me. And it's a story that makes the most amazing suggestion that God loves the world so much. God loves the people of this world so much. Each and every one of them loves you and me. That is to say, enough to make himself vulnerable, to become like us, to love us by being with us, born like us, living in this world like us, laughing and loving and hoping and dreaming like us, and finally incredibly dying not only for us but like us. When Devin and I, my wife, were young um, parents and our uh, children were babies, um, we, we made a decision early on that didn't last very long. Uh, we made the decision that we were not going to really do the whole Santa Claus thing in our home. We would focus instead on the story of the birth of Jesus and uh, not the cultural icon that Santa Claus had become because we didn't want to have any, you know, uh, you better be good, you better not pout, you better not cry, you better not shout, any of that kind of reward and punishment dynamic. We're Protestants. We believe in sola gratia, the grace of God that comes to us in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This story is good enough. We don't really need anything else. Um, 
Well, we failed at the Santa Free Christmas right away. We weren't really committed to it for, uh, for, for longer than a year, I think, anyway. Um, and it didn't take long for our children to teach us that there's a lot to be said for wonder and myth and imagination. And that the line between what is real and what is not real isn't always as clear as we want it to be. And that there's more than one way to tell the truth, if, especially if it is good and important truth. Finally, it taught us to re-examine and rediscover the original idea of a saint who brings gifts for no other reason than he loves to give gifts. Our children taught us that there's actually some good theology here. And so this past week I was delighted to read um, something from G.K. Chesterton uh, who wrote almost a hundred years ago. He wrote something about Santa Claus from England. And it's in a collection called Spiritual Literacy and this is what he wrote. He said, what has happened to me has been the very reverse of what appears to be the experiences of most of my friends related to Santa Claus. Instead of dwindling to a point, Santa Claus has grown larger and larger in my life. It happened in this way. As a child, I was faced with a phenomenon that required an explanation. I hung up at the end of my bed a stocking, an empty stocking, which in the morning became a full stocking. I had done nothing to produce those things that filled it. I had not worked for them or made them or helped to make them. And the explanation was that there was a certain being that people called Santa Claus who was favorably disposed toward me. What we believed was that a certain benevolent agency did give us those toys for nothing. And you know what? I still believe it. I've extended the idea. Then I only wondered who put the toys in the stocking. Now I wonder who put the stocking by the bed and the bed in the room and the room in the house and the house on the planet and the planet in the great void. Chesterton went on to say that once he was grateful for a few dolls and some crackers, but later he was grateful for stars and street faces and wine and the great sea. Once he was grateful for a gift too big to fit into a stocking. Later, he was grateful for a present so big it takes two stockings to hold it up and then leaves a great deal outside. It is the large and preposterous present of myself. Christmas is about gifts that we give and that we receive that we don't earn or work for or deserve. Christmas is about the amazing grace of God to give us the gift of ourselves, our very lives, the time that we've already had privilege to live and the time that we have remaining, however long that may be. Christmas is, a, is about a God who wants us to know that we're loved, that apart from anything we've done, whether good or bad, the Creator desires that we are well. Christmas is about a God who came to us in the birth of an infant in Bethlehem to let us know how profoundly we're loved. And it's about 
a God who wants all of us to be changed by that love, changed into grateful children who suddenly find that they must love, must live in the love of God by loving and caring for others. There's a story I uh, read last week about a man named Dan Doty who uh, one day was driving an 11-year-old boy um, by, the, by the name of Charles to a penitentiary in a neighboring state in order to visit his sister who had been arrested uh, and will not see parole until she's 58 for a violent crime. Charles lives with his grandmother. His mother lives in the same city, but uh, hardly ever agrees to see him. Dan, the driver, was simply participating as a volunteer in a church ministry program to drive children to visit their incarcerated loved ones during the holidays, kind of like our angel tree ministry, but a little different. All the way home in the car after the visit of Charles and his sister, Charles was, uh, was downtrodden. He didn't say anything. He was, he was sullen. And uh, at the outskirts of the city, he suddenly asked Dan, the driver, could you please take me to my mom's house? See, mostly when he calls and uh, asks to see her, she has some excuse for not, not taking her 11-year-old son for the weekend. To visit his, the visit with his sister had obviously stirred up a longing um, to see his mother. If you'll just take me, he said, she'll have to see me. Dan reflects on this. The lad's hostile demeanor, the quiet, lonely suffering that had been so apparent throughout our trip was the aftermath of repeated rejection by one of the central figures in his life. For Christmas, the 11-year-old boy with me that day didn't want money or the latest fad in clothing or the newest high-tech game. He longed for his mom. Dan concludes the best Christmas gift that you can give your child or anyone else for that matter, I might add, your spouse, your dearly loved ones, your parent, your brother, your sister, your friends, the best gift of all is the gift of yourself. After all, that is God's gift to us, the gift of himself. And we're meant to do likewise. And so may God's love for you, given on the birth, in the birth of the baby in Bethlehem, stir in you the capacity, the willingness, the need to love as you have been loved. This is your story. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.